Alrighty, everybody. Good evening. And it has come to that time. Where's the final team in the NFC, the Seattle Seahawks, who surprised everybody last year making the playoffs. Uh, six and three start, but they finished kind of wobbly, Wiz, that's for sure. Uh, but Geno had a great season. They've added to this offense, both at the running back position and at the wide receiver position, and they should be a better defense as well last year, uh, from last year, Wiz, as they had some key picks in the draft, as well as some signings in free agency. Seattle Seahawks, Wiz, I think, could win this division. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, their offense looks pretty terrific. Um, Let's start with Geno Smith. Um, People have, I've heard such such a wide variety of, of opinions on Geno Smith. I think the people that I talk to who are Jet fans just have a tough time getting that visual of him playing for the Jets, but the coaching staff was terrible. The surrounding talent was terrible. Um, as far as Geno Smith being inside the top 10 or 12, I'm not sure about that, but he's very, very close. The surrounding talent is very, very good. So I have Geno Smith somewhere between like 12 and 15. But if someone said with the players they added onto the ready, the existing talent, he should be drafted as the top 10 quarterback, top 12 quarterback. I could see that. I'm interested where you land on that. The thing is, Wiz, this is a player with that had just absolutely – remarkable consistency last year 30 touchdowns 4200 yards was playing with he was just playing with confidence he ran for 350 yards it was we were watching a different player and he's lost his offense coordinator Shane Waldron's going to take over Canales went uh, to Tampa Bay Uh, I don't know how much of a difference that makes Gino almost completed 70 percent of his passes I, I look I had no interest in any ownership over a player I love in Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, another player I love because I was so concerned about Gino last year. I was proven completely incorrect on that. Uh, Gino really, if you look at those stats, Wiz, he was a top 10 quarterback last year and consistently throwing for at least two touchdowns a game. And with that, Wiz, I, I think he's got to be pushing up on that number 10, uh, top 10 spot because of what he did last year. Yeah, and he really had a great grasp of the offense. Losing the coordinator concerns me. You know, you just see sometimes these quarterbacks get going and have a different guy. It's it's not the same thing. Um, well, you know, the, 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 what they're used to, you just don't like to see that change. So there's a little trepidation as far as that is concerned. So let me let me ask you this, Wiz. You, you... There's that factor, right? And then you have the factor that they've bolstered their running game a little bit, right? So is that potentially is that potentially a sign that they could kind of take a little bit away from kind of what Geno did, despite the fact that they added a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba? No, I don't. I don't think it. I don't think it will because Pete Carroll has always been the type of coach that doesn't like to rely on just one player. He he likes. Um, splitting the carries, and he, he's always felt that way. So I don't think that really hurts uh, Geno Smith. And, and, and well, let's talk about Kenny Walker and Jack Charbonnet, and, and both players uh, can be used in the passing game as well. Uh, I think more than hurting Geno Smith's ranking, I think they kind of hurt each other's ranking. And while well, Kenny Walker looked to be 
in the middle of last season, you were saying, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a top 10 fantasy running back in every draft next year. And he was well on his way. And Pete Carroll does what Pete Carroll likes to do, to draft a, another running back and use up a, a high pick um, to take Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. And he looked pretty good. And he's running hard. And I think they're both going to put each other uh, outside of the top uh, of running back one category. Kenny, Kenny Walker running back two for me. Zach Charbonnet running back three for me. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Uh, how do you view the running back room for the Seahawks? Yeah, I, I agree the rankings. Um, 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns in his rookie season for Kenneth Walker. Another guy that finished, I talked about uh, Cam Akers finishing the season strongly. Walker did as well. Four out of his last five games, 100 yards rushing. He was gaining supreme confidence. By the way, when he gets in the open field, that dude is gone. I think he had three or four plays of 50 yards or more um, last season. He it, running at 22, 23 miles an hour. Exciting, exciting player. Not massive in the passing game, but he did catch 27 balls. But Charbonnet is going to cut into that a little bit. Look, this is a theme in the NFL, Wiz. We know this. We've talked about this. Guys garnering lion's share of of workloads. It just doesn't happen with as much frequency. Uh, I'm still willing, given what I saw last year in Walker, to take that chance that he could be one of these guys at, at his, his running back two spot that he actually outperforms that ranking. And I like that. Running back two with running back one upside. I think that's right. Um, but I, I just feel... You know, you got to look at the history of what the coach likes to do, and he really wants to involve both running backs. Uh, but Zach Charbonnet is not a handcuff to Kenny Walker. He has his own standalone value because he's going to get, I think, a substantial amount of playing time and usage in the running game and passing game as well. And speaking of that passing game, the Seahawks are loaded. I mean, the Seahawks have three terrific wide receivers. Uh, DK Metcalf was a beast. The only thing he fell short of was touchdown catches, but that's kind of random. Um, I think he was a little unlucky with that. His, he could have been much higher ranked uh, with a few more touchdown catches, but you know, you, you have to think that uh, there's going to be a positive regression regarding his touchdown uh, catches. Um, when you look up the word consistency in the uh, dictionary, it's got, a, it's got a picture of Tyler Lockett. I mean, eight seasons in a row, um, eight touchdowns and 1,000 yards receiving. I mean, that is rock-solid uh, receiver. And I don't know, I'm not betting against any wide receiver coming out of Ohio State. And while I saw an interview where Alave and Gary Wilson were saying Jackson Smith Najigba was the best of the three of them, I think they were kind of buttering him up a little bit there. Um, I don't think he's going to be the player those other two guys are, but he is a good player, and he's going to work that slot, and he is going to have a lot of mismatch uh, cause a lot of matchup problems for opposing defenses. So uh, Lockett and Metcalf, both wide receivers, two for me. And even as a rookie, I'm going to put Jackson Smith and Nygma in wide receiver three right off the bat. Yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Um, again, I, we talked about Lock. Lockett's a player that I have adored forever. He, he one of the toughest guys pound for pound in the league. Uh, not a complainer. Works his tail off. 
unbelievably productive. He's 31 now. He's talked a lot about a, a lot of different things about the mental mental health aspect of things. Just a very impressive young man. DK Metcalf, also just a beast, uh, impressive physically. Uh, both of these guys basically had the same type of stats last year. And again, as I said, really surprised me. Uh, but now that this offense has some confidence, uh, Pete, Pete Carroll has really very rarely had a third receiver to kind of lean on uh, in his days in Seattle, and, and now he does. And uh, yeah, I, I could see, I could see, but catching, I don't know, 50, 60 balls very easily for seven, eight hundred yards in his rookie season. The problem is he's going to have to share some of that load uh, with the two guys in front of him. I think 50, 60 catches is his floor. To be honest with you, okay. I All think right. I think 50, 60 catches is his floor, and uh, you know I think that's about. You know, that would be on the low end of uh, what he's capable of. Um, so let me ask you a question. As... Let me let me just ask you a question. I, I kind of started this, yeah. this, this podcast saying that I think Seattle's the best team in this division because uh, I think their defense is, is much improved, and I think they have some very key ingredients. Do, do you agree with that statement, or am I going overboard? I think right now, roster versus roster, not knowing – the quarterback situation for the 49ers, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I think Seattle's players are like, you know, some of these older guys. And I mean, the, the 49er players are some of these older guys and Seattle's offense uh, and some of their key players are younger guys. And Pete Carroll has had terrific drafts these last few years. So roster versus roster right now, without knowing for sure, um, there's a lot of inconsistency regarding the 49er quarterback room while Seattle is raring and ready to go with their quarterback room. And I think uh, it's getting closer in terms of overall physical uh, talent on the offensive side of the football. I think Seattle can match up with just about anybody. So Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, th- I, think, I, th- I think this is a much better defense. We'll get to the defense at the end, but I think it's a better defense. But let, let's first go to tight end uh, where – uh, Noah Font, Disley, and Parkinson are all here. Uh, you know that this team has used kind of the tight ends in weird ways. And some games, one guy pops up, another game, the other guy pops up. Is there is there a Seattle tight end that you're going to potentially lean on in drafts with? No, but if Will Disley has not invited you to his family gatherings. I, he should have. Nobody's been a bigger supporter of Will Disley than you. But all kidding aside, they just—he likes to use all three of those guys. They'll use twelve personnel. Um, I think Noah Fant is, is certainly the best receiver. But I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to take away those targets. So. Um, no fantasy football starters regarding tight ends for the Seahawks. For me, unless you could talk me into it. So the one interesting stat I have for you last year was is the three guys that I mentioned, they combined for 118 catches. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm with you, but unless you're allowed to... It, it, no, I... The, the team tight end... Uh, okay, I get. I no, but is that, it, isn't but that surprising it, though that the, that many catches went to the tight ends? No, I mean, yeah, that that number is is, is much higher than I thought it was going to be. But he really disperses those um, catches and and the snap counts differently every week. It's a, it's a real brain buster to try and figure out who's going to get the majority of the snaps on a week to week thing. So unless something was to happen to two of them, I just don't see envision myself drafting any Seahawks tight ends. All right. Well, Jason Myers, another story was he had a monster year last year. And in the past, the efficiency of the Seattle defense has kind of hurt 
or is this year a little less efficient, like in the red zone? Uh, Myers went bananas for this team. Was I've always liked this kicker, and sometimes it's been strange, right? Pete Carroll, he doesn't get a lot of field goal attempts for whatever reason. Sometimes Seattle has not been great these last few years before last year. Uh, they find themselves not in position to kick a lot of field goals. Um, so, I mean, I like him, and I think he should be drafted as a top 10, top 10 kicker in all formats, considering how good the Seahawks offense is how good the kicker is. Uh, he'll make long ones as well. So um, I'm, I'm good with Jason Myers as a top 10 kicker. Okay. And let's talk about the D was where I'm kind of talking up this D. Am I out of my mind or not? No, I think, I think they're on the rise and they know how to draft these type of young players, um, especially in the secondary. And I think they're improving. And the one thing Seattle has is they have a monstrous home field advantage where the other team can't hear themselves. I've heard Eli Manning talk about this, uh, Peyton Manning talk about this, where you can't hear yourself and you have to go to a silent count and it really messes up the offensive line. So I'm with you and you get the Seahawks at home in a good streaming matchup. Um, I think they're worth drafting just for those games when they're playing at home. And then you're talking about these games where it's freezing rain, it's cold out there, and the other team doesn't even want to be there. So I think just for the handful of games where the Seahawks defense can put up a big, big number up on the board, um, I believe they're worth drafting. So I'm going to give you some stats here. They had 25 takeaways last year, and they had a bunch of sacks as well. They were one of six teams to rank in the top 10 in both categories, sacks and takeaways. So that's number one. Uh, Two pro bowlers in the secondary in Cadre Diggs and Tariq Woolen, who was just terrific as a rookie. They add Devin Witherspoon. We know Jamal Adams. That trade looks like a complete disaster. I don't know when he's getting back on the field. Bobby Wagner comes in because it looks like Jordan Brooks is not going to be ready to come back from the ACL tear that he suffered last year. But they did add Draymond Jones, and they did add uh, Jaron Reed. So two guys who can sack the quarterback. So I like what they've added. Bobby Wagner obviously gives him a veteran presence. He played here many years before. Not the same player he once was as a pro bowler here, but nonetheless, I think his veteran leadership will help. So count me as one who thinks Seattle's defense is on the rise. Yeah, with his phones. Witherspoon is one of my favorite players uh, to come out of college this past year. He's a he's a real perfect guy to play for the Seahawks, uh, a physical player. So I'm with you, and uh, there'll be some terrific uh, streaming matchups for the Seahawks this year. All right, well, so uh, that's it. It's come to an end. We've gotten through every team. Uh, we do have a bunch of stuff to talk to, obviously, as we move along in terms of rankings, prop bets, boom busts. Uh, you know, there are still much to cover here with a few more weeks to go. Uh, in the preseason and ahead of our drafts. But, uh, you know, hopefully people are listening, enjoying uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. It's been great going through all the teams. Gives you a real good lay of the land. Uh, you know, you and I are learning a lot as we kind of go through all this stuff and learning even more as we kind of try to decipher what transpired in week one of the preseason. Yeah, and now, you know, we're getting in the middle of August. This is a serious time, and uh, we're really going to... Uh get focused here and uh, help people down the stretch uh, and be prepared for their fantasy leagues and to uh, go out there and dominate them. Yep. Sounds great, Wiz. Uh, Enjoy what's left of the weekend, and uh, we will talk next week. You got it.